0: Well, good morning. It's so good to see so many of you at the 11 a.m. service. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, We're in a series entitled Storytellers. And who enjoyed Pastor Art Collins uh, last Sunday? Just, I think he's in service. Let's appreciate him. Thank you for sharing. There you are, sharing God's word with us. I was like, where's Art? He's right there. And um, we're just grateful for your voice into our church. So we were th- great messages last weekend. A few, a few more weeks left of this series. Next week, we'll have Pastor Joel Parker in the house. And so that's kind of, uh, he's been a, a family favorite around here. And so make sure you come next weekend and uh, hear his heart for our church. So that'll be incredible. This week, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, if you want to open up your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be uh, in Mark chapter 2. We're going to be starting at verse 18. But, I 'm just excited about this morning god 's been doing a great thing in the last two services, and I just think that as as faith people, how many know that the Word of God from Genesis to revelation is god 's inspired word uh, that every word in this book he has given to us as a guide as a guide to our lives to show us what it means to be more like Jesus but there's also something to me anyway, in my opinion, when it's the words of Jesus, we ought to be even more attuned, a little bit more careful to what Jesus is saying. So that's where we're gonna be. We're gonna be in Mark chapter two, uh, verse 18. It's what, it's what Jesus is gonna speak to a group of people. So would you stand to your feet uh, with me this morning one more time? Last night I said that and someone was like, oh, again? And I was like, no complaining in church, right? But uh, Mark chapter two, verse 18 says this, now John's disciples and the Pharisees, they're fasting. And people came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees, why do they fast? But Jesus, your disciples, they do not fast. And then Jesus talks to them. This is the first illustration he shares of three. The first illustration he says, can, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Verse 21, then he uses the second illustration. No one sews a piece of unstrung cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And then the third illustration Jesus uses here. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed and so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskins. And so this morning, here's kind of the roadmap of where I feel the Lord calling. Uh, Jesus is asked this question by these two groups of religious people and he answers the question with another question and then two more illustrations, three total illustrations, Uh, one about a wedding, one about clothes, and one about wineskins. And I believe these to actually build, to get us to talking about wineskins. So that's, that's our roadmap this morning, if, if you're wondering where we're going. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. God, thank you that you've gathered us for such a time as this. And whether someone's here for the first time or for the thousandth time, we are meant to be in this room and this morning hearing your words. And so in this moment, I just acknowledge that I'm not the teacher this morning. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher Lord, I'm thankful that I get to be your mouthpiece today, but this is, this is just as much for me as it is for the rest of us. As, so speak to me, speak through me. God, we're just so aware that these times are crucial, <clears throat> that these times gathering as the church are so important. Not that we would come and have just a great experience, but <clears throat> that we could come and be shaped to be more like the person of Jesus, to be the presence of hope in this world that which you've called us to live. So may it be so in these moments that we'd be attuned to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, <clears throat> amen. Anyway, you may be seated for just a moment. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to just trick you one of these times. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, my wife and I on Tuesday, we decided we were going to go a kind of impromptu date night to the Mariners game. And hallelujah, we finally have a good baseball team in Seattle. And so we're like, let's go. And all the church people are like, amen, right? This is great. And so we, we were going, and I said, okay, we'll go to the game, but we're going to kind of, it's impromptu, so we're going cheap. We're going to do, do bleacher tickets, and then we're going we're gonna to take the link rail. We're going to go park in, in Tukwila, because how many you know it's like $4,000 to park your car at the, at the Mariners game? So we took the link rail from Tukwila all the way to, to the Mariners game. And uh, this is actually the first time we've done this, so it's kind of a fun adventure. So uh, if you know, the link rail starts at SeaTac Airport, and it kind of goes all the way through Seattle to the University of Washington. And so we get on, and all of a sudden, uh, we, my wife and I were both very friendly people, but my wife even more so than me, and she begins to make a friend. Uh, his name is Wayne on the link rail. And so we're, we're going, and we're saying, yeah, we're going to the Mariners game. And We were the only people there mostly on this link, real the marriage game. But but Wayne had a, he had a suitcase. And so he's obviously coming from the airport, traveling somewhere. And so where are you traveling from? He's like, traveling from Boston. And he kind of has like that, you know, like that Boston accent, Boston. And we're like, this guy's awesome. Like, we're gonna get to know this guy. And he's like, yeah, it's my, my first time in Seattle. And we're like, this is cool. This is awesome. And now I went to school in Seattle, so like, I, I understand Seattle, it's been, it was a fun few years up there, but I don't even know Se- Seattle has changed in the last few years. And so our guy, Wayne, he's like, I'm so excited to go to Seattle. And we're like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> it's like, he's like, you're on vacation. And we're like, yeah. And I'm like, what are you gonna do in Seattle? Well, like my Airbnb, it's in Capitol Hill. We're like, yeah, sounds great for you. <laughs> And like, okay, it's going to be, he's like, I'm going to do all the Seattle things. We're going to go to the Space Needle. We're going to go to Pike's Place. And that's all fun and cool. And he's like, we're even going to go to dinner in the Soto District. And I'm like, extra fun for you, right? I'm like, we're going to go to the game. Then we're going to get back in the link row. We're going to go back to Sumner, right? (laughs) And, but it was just a funny moment because he was like so excited to be in Seattle. Like I, I don't think I could even capture his excitement to get to be in a new city. I, maybe you've been there, right? When you get to travel to somewhere new that you've never been before and regardless of where it's at, it's like that new feeling is so exciting man, that new feeling of getting to see a new place and maybe you've seen a picture of it and all of a sudden you get, you get to be there. You're like, man, I can't believe that I'm at this place that I've been hoping to go for a long time. And I didn't think much of that experience. And, but then this week as I was message prepping and I was reading about Jesus and this group of Pharisees and John's disciples, these two, these two religious groups, I was thinking about the heart posture of what these religious groups were like with Jesus. I was thinking when I was with Wayne on the link rail, his excitement was quickly diminished. And I, I don't think I did this to him in the moment. but In my heart, it was diminished because I was like, oh, he doesn't need to go to Seattle. There, there's just, there's no reason he needs to go experience this. And you know what I mean by that? Like, I'm like, there's a lot of other things he could have done. That. And I begin to immediately go to this like critical spirit. Have you been there before? And I think this is what this is what happens with Jesus and this religious crowd. This religious crowd had initially a critical and a closed-minded spirit to the ways and the thinking of Jesus. Like just like, like us, we can kind of be like that with people. I think that's what this religious crowd was doing. And I think actually, if we're not careful, that kind of critical, that kind of um, lack of, of excitement, kind of spirit for, for other people can easily creep into our lives as followers, followers of Jesus, can't it? Like, you know those moments when you first met Jesus and you're so excited and you're on fire, you get in a rooted group or you, 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 you commit to serving for the first time or you recommit your life and you're kind of all in and you're, you're serving and you're giving and you're coming to church and there's like this excitement to your life. And how I many of us sometimes religious people are like, well, that's just gonna fade eventually. But well, we, we kind of get this like critical spirit. Is this just me? I think we've been there, Right. But this is what I think that Jesus is is trying to get this, this religious crowd to see. He's trying to help them see it's time to break down the external and really get to what matters, and it's the internal. You see, I think in the circumstances that we find ourselves in and the culture that we have been called to live in, and this is the time that God felt that we were supposed to live in this time, I believe one of the things that's going on is God's doing a remodel on the Capital C Church. I believe God's maybe tearing down some old walls of critical, old walls of just religiosity, old walls of just going through the motions, old walls of maybe behaviorism, of just trying to do the right things and trying to look the right things. I believe God in in the church in America, I'll just speak for that as we study what's happening. God's God's like rebirthing an excitement within the hearts of people that the external stuff is good, but it doesn't matter as long as the heart is right, amen? (laughs) And so Jesus, he begins to teach them this, that it really really is what matters on the inside. I want to call what Jesus does with with these disciples, I want to call it a divine disruption. I want to call it a divine disruption. I believe divine disruptions can come in many ways in our lives. I believe a divine disruption can come from a closed door. I believe a divine disruption can come in a conversation with a loved one. I believe a divine disruption can come in a moment when you're least expecting it. I believe a divine disruption can come in a church service. I believe a divine disruption can come when you're just going through life and you get that phone call. What's a divine disruption? Divine disruption is something that God uses to get our attention. It's something God uses to say, I'm really trying to get you to see this. How many know when God's trying to speak? He'll make sure you hear. he's like, I really need you to see this. And he begins to do this. I think this moment with Jesus and this group of religious crowd is a divine disruption. And it's a divine disruption in this way. It's a divine disruption in the way that they think. I believe that Jesus is trying to teach them that your thought patterns are wrong. Your thought patterns about these things are wrong. And I wanna show that to you uh, this morning. Let's let's dive into Mark chapter two. Here we are, verse, verse 19. It says this, and as Jesus said to them, can the, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Now let me pause. What, what's the context? Remember, the, these religious people, they just asked Jesus, they said, so why, why are your people not fasting like we're fasting? Like we're fasting. And then Jesus says this. He says, can wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in the day. What what is Jesus trying to get this pe- these people that are stuck in their ways, stuck in their way of thinking. What's he trying to get them to see? What Jesus is trying to get them to see is that they're they're misunderstanding the season that they're in. He's trying to disrupt their thinking, help them see that this moment was was not a moment for fasting. In other words, you're missing the moment of what this really is. We, we've all, most of us have been to a wedding. If not all of us have been to a wedding, many of us have, have been married. We've been in a wedding. How many know when you go to a wedding, it, it's, it's not a time for fasting, it's a time for feasting. When you go to a wedding, Jesus is trying to be like so clear with this example. He's like, you don't, you don't go to a wedding and then be like, yeah, I'm not gonna eat, not gonna party, dance, not gonna do any of that stuff. I'm just gonna like sit there and just watch, Right? No, like there's this like level of excitement that comes when you go to a wedding and you get to, you get to watch the, this, this new couple embark on a new journey and you're there as your support and you're saying, yes, like I'm behind you, I'm for you, this is great. Like bring me all the food that you spent $30 a dish on and I'm excited to, to eat it all and enjoy it all and celebrate you, right? Like this is the, this is the spirit behind a, a wedding. Like we go and we're excited about it. But these religious people, they're like, no, no, no you guys are getting it all wrong. Man, how many know God, God loves when his people have joy? God loves, God loves a good celebration. God loves when we celebrate things that are godly. And this is what Jesus is saying to this religious crowd is you're totally missing the season. Fasting is a really good thing, but it's just not for right now. Right now is the time for feasting and for celebrating. You know, in the Bible and the scriptures, there's only one time, one time when fasting was mandatory. Fasting is a really good thing. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But there was only one time when fasting was mandatory, and it was in the Feast of Yom Kippur in the Old Testament. When they're celebrating, they're celebrating redemption. They're reminding them of the sacrifices that they would make to God. And this was a a feast that happened for a couple days. And around this, before and after, they would have times of fasting. And God told the people of Israel, when you go into these times, make sure you fast. That was the only time that God had required his people to fast. And so the fact that these religious people are trying to force a fast on other people just shows that they're missing the whole mark. And this is what religion is, by the way. Religion is taking man-made ideas and it's stacking them onto what God said. Does that make sense? (laughs) Religion without Jesus is a bunch of rules, and it's dry, and it's heavy, and it's a burden, and it's a bunch of laws and legalism that we can't fulfill. In fact, religion without Jesus is actually going to drain you. All this, all the church stuff, all the activity, but if Jesus is not at the center of it, it, it actually will not fill you. It'll drain you. But let me tell you, when Jesus is at the center of it, how many know those are the things that, that bring us life? And these, these, these Pharisees and John's disciples, this religious group of people, they had totally missed the mark. They had totally lost their why. It had totally be- become about just a, a routine and doing these things. And Jesus said, it's not, it's not a time to fast, it's a time to feast. Side note, side teaching. It's not really about, this, this passage isn't about fasting. But why might you fast? You might fast, and, and I think maybe two areas. Number one, when you're looking for more distinction and to hear God's voice. If you take, fasting is taking something physical and, and, and putting it aside so that during that time when you usually do something physical, like eat or like be on your phone or like do something, watch TV, all these things, you set that aside and instead you replace it with something spiritual. Right, fasting isn't just stopping doing something. Fasting is saying I'm gonna pause food so that when I get hungry for a meal, I'm gonna not go indulge in food. I'm gonna go read the word of God, which is the bread of life. Does this make sense this morning? Like, this is why you fast. You might fast when you hear distinction from God. Number two, you might fast when you're grieving. This was common in scripture when people were grieving and they were needing comfort from God, they would go and they would fast. So fasting is good, but it's in a season. There's a time to fast. There's a time to fast and there's a time to feast. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to rejoice. Jesus is just saying, make sure you know the times and seasons that you are in. So he's he's disrupting their thinking when it comes to this. This is the, the second thing. So Jesus talks about a wedding, and then he talks about he talks about clothing. He talks about clothes. He says this, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for if he does, the patch, it, it tears away the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. This is the second illustration that Jesus used. He says, "You don't you don't take something old and try and find something new and and just patch it onto it. And maybe a better way we could talk about it in 2022 is you don't take your lawn clothes when you get a hole in them, and you don't go find your nicest pair of work pants and cut a hole in the work pants and try and patch your lawn clothes with it, right? Jesus says, if if you do, you're actually destroying both of them because... The, the, the fine silk of your work pants and the rough material of your, of your, of your outside pants, all of a sudden, those will, they will both tear. They both won't be good. It won't be good for either. So now you've destroyed two things. This makes sense? What's the disruption? What's the thinking? What's Jesus trying to get these religious people to see? It's, it's this very simple, but I think so profound statement. Jesus isn't coming to patch up their life Jesus is coming to give them an entirely new life. You catch that? Jesus doesn't come to us just to patch up certain parts of our life. Jesus was telling this religious group of people, I'm not here just to patch up Judaism. I'm not here just to change a little bit of the laws. I'm not here just to take a certain part of your life and all of a sudden patch it. No, no, the Bible says that in Christ we are a new creation. In Christ, the old, and not just parts of our life, but the old has passed away and the new has come. In Christ, the old Adam is passed away and the new in Jesus is now here. This is really good news because I think sometimes we, we, we think that God just wants to come and to make our lives a little bit better. Like when I'm hurting, I'm just going to go to God and he's just going to patch that portion of my life. When, when I need something from God, I'm just gonna go and he's just gonna patch what I need here. And can I tell you, that is not the gospel. The gospel isn't, he, God didn't come and send his one and only son just to make bad people good. Jesus didn't come to this earth just so that good people could become better. Jesus came, and catch this this morning, Jesus came to make dead people alive. He came to make dead people alive. And this is the truth of the gospel, is that, is that it's actually not about us just patching parts of our life. It's about us bringing the entirety of our lives unto God. You, know what, you wanna know why this is really good news for us this morning, church? It's because God just doesn't wanna give you just a little bit of grace just to patch a portion of your life. God wants to give you the full grace of heaven to, to come into you and make you entirely new. God doesn't want to give you a little bit of forgiveness that you can just tap into it when you need it. God wants you to live free in forgiveness, full in forgiveness. And so the divine disruption of this religious crowd is they think that maybe Jesus was just going to kind of shift some of the laws. And Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. The law has its place. He says, I've come to fulfill the law. And the law is now fulfilled in me. And so now it's not about you just doing certain things. It's about you becoming different. It's about from the inside out, from the heart out. Don't just patch up your life. Jesus isn't just here to patch up your life. He's here to give you something entirely new. How many know this? You can wear a Superman suit. Doesn't mean you can fly. <laughs> right? Man, like you can go and get and look like Superman. How many know you can you can look like a Christian? You can talk like a Christian. You can have a Christian bio on your Instagram profile. You can post verses on your Facebook page. But how many know if there's, if there's a difference in looking like a Christian and actually allowing God to change you on the inside, from the inside out? This is a divine disruption in their thinking. And then the third one, which is just most intriguing to me, that Jesus, he he talks to this religious group of people. The one that's most intriguing to me is this analogy of wine and wineskins. This is not really like a common one. Like, I think we can kind of understand weddings and we can understand clothes. But like, I feel like you need to understand a little bit and let me try and help you understand the power between wine and wineskins. Now, in Israel, in Israel, the grape was, was so important. It, was, it meant a few things. It meant that they were fulfilling a promise. All throughout the Old Testament was this promise of a vine. And Jesus comes and is now the vine. And then John 15 says that we abide in the vine. If you know this, you can read it. If not, John 15, we abide in the vine and the vine abides in us. And then we actually bear much fruit. So a grape and a vine was very symbolic. In ancient Israel, there was vineyards all over the hills. It meant that they had walked into their promised land. It was one of the things that Moses promised the people. You'll know you're in your promised land when it's a land full of grapes and other and olives and all these things that he promised. And grapes was one of them to know that they were where they were supposed to be. A grape was very practical for them. It not only was something of a raisin that they could turn in and eat for food, uh, something they could eat a grape for fresh fresh food but also the the third reason and maybe most importantly for this morning is that grape could be turned into wine now wine wasn't used in in the way that maybe we use it here with parties and that kind of stuff with with weddings and it was used in that setting for that but actually most importantly wine in this culture was their safest way of nourishing themselves for for water uh drinking water in ancient Israel for half of the year wasn't very healthy. It would, it would make them sick. And so the way that they could go for healthy nourishment was actually wine. And this is just this is history. You can go read about it. And so what Jesus is trying to get them to see is that this wine is more symbolic. And here, here's what they would do. They would, they would take the wine and um, they would trample the grapes they would put it into like a fermenting process and then they would put it into this these wineskins. Wineskins, when, when you think about wine, you probably think of it in more like a bottle. I, it wasn't, that wasn't how it was. Wine was in wineskins and a wineskin was, was, usually, was usually a goat. And so what they would do is after the fermenting process, wine actually never gets done fermenting and so they transfer it into they transfer into this like, this goat skin to continue the fermenting process. But once it was in a goat skin, it meant that they could actually drink it. So they carried it around and it was their source of nourishment. It was their source of, of when they were thirsty, they would drink this wine. But here's the fascinating thing. Because when it goes into a, a, a wine skin, it stretches and the gases come and it begins to stretch even more. You can only use a wine skin one time. This makes sense this morning? Are you with me? So when you, it goes out of the fermenting process and it goes into the wineskin, you can only use it one time. So when it was done, they had to create a new wineskin. How many know where I'm going with this, the spiritual truth? The wineskin for you and for me represents our hearts. Jesus is trying to get this religious group of people to see that you cannot put new wine. What's the new wine? The Holy Spirit the presence of God, the power of God, the purposes of God, the mission of God. You cannot put new wine into old wineskins. And what happens when new wine goes into old wineskins? It cracks and and it breaks open. So the new wine pours out and it doesn't have a place to reside. And the same is true for your heart and my heart, that the Holy Spirit, that God is always pouring out onto his people. And the question is, are we ready to receive it? God doesn't want us to live in past experiences. God doesn't want us just to live in what following Him used to mean for us. He wants us to have new wineskins to receive it, what it means today, to receive the same gospel truths, but maybe in a fresh and a new way for you this morning. I think some of us, we have old wineskins maybe. You might be tired this morning. Are you burnt out? Are you tired of religion? Are you tired of just going through the motions and it doesn't feel like it's actually giving you life? Are you weary? Are, are you overwhelmed with the burdens of the world? Are you here and looking for something new and something fresh? Can I tell you, it's available to you and it's available to me. But, it, but this is the truth. The, wine, the new wine from heaven will always pour out. But the question is, are you ready to receive it this morning? Are we ready to receive? I believe God wants to do something new in your life. I just am crazy enough to believe that the same God that's been doing something new in his people, generation after generation after generation, he still wants to do something new in his church today. I don't know, God's been disrupting and God's been doing something new in the church the last couple years, and I don't wanna miss it. How about you? I don't wanna be someone because I'm not ready to receive it that I miss it. Who needs fresh grace this morning? Make your wineskins available. Who needs fresh forgiveness this morning? Make your wineskins, make your heart available to receive it. I think in this moment, just like every service we've had thus far, things are going through your mind. Maybe Maybe you need a new vision for your business. Maybe you need a new vision for your family. Maybe you have someone hurting in your family. I believe that God wants to shape us in such a way that when he pours out on us, it begins to show to the people around us, and that is actually what draws people to him. You becoming like Jesus is the greatest evangelism tool that the world needs. It's not coming and hearing a, a message, it's, it's the church together, all of us experiencing and receiving a newness, a new wine unto wine wineskins, and going and being the church. So we're gonna end a little bit differently this morning. I felt as I was talking with Pastor Daniel, I felt it wasn't right just to just to rush out of here. I wanna provide a space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. And I guess my prayer is that God would speak to all of us, that you wouldn't leave this morning without hearing maybe that little, still small voice, or maybe it's through a lyric on the screen, or maybe it's through a scripture I shared, that this, would, this something would resonate with you. And so we're gonna do a couple things. In just a moment, not yet, but in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand. And we're gonna sing a song, and this song is about the message this morning. It it speaks powerfully to the truth of this scripture. But also, we're gonna have a prayer team on this side and on this side. And if you feel a nudge to come up this morning, you don't have to tell us what you need prayer for. You don't have to tell us why you're up. You might be up here for you or someone else, or you might be up here because you're tired and you want just a, a prayer prayed over you. We wanna invite you to come in to receive that this morning. Maybe it's for your... Your family, maybe it's for your marriage. And maybe you want to tell one of us, hey, will you pray for my marriage? Will you pray for salvation for my son? Will you pray for and we're just we're here to pray and God has been doing miracles all weekend. I'm just telling you. It's been special what God's been doing. He's been making people He's been healing hurts. We've we've prayed for a number of marriages. And I just I don't I want you to know if you don't come up here, that's okay. Like don't feel like, you know, you're less spiritual for not coming up here. (laughs) Like you don't get more, you know. Stars on your crown in heaven for coming up this morning, okay? But if you feel called, we would be honored to pray for you. We'd be honored to walk with you through this in this moment of prayer. How many know prayer changes things? God hears his people and he. And he hears the cries of the righteous and he hears when his people come and we get to pray for, for one another. So if you feel compelled, in just a moment I invite you to come and we'll, we'll lay hands on you and we'll pray for you and we'll just have a great moment. If you wanna stay in your seat and you wanna just worship and you wanna sing these songs, you wanna pray from there, that is totally okay as well. But let's respond together to the word of God, amen. Would you stand your feet? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna go into this song. So Lord... May this moment be what it needs to be for us, Holy Spirit. God, this this isn't really uh, just a a normal thing we do. This isn't just something we do every Sunday, but for, for whatever reason this weekend, you wanted us to have these moments of prayer. And so Lord, I feel if anyone feels compelled to come forward that they would have the faith to do so, and Lord, would you bless their faith for those that just want to stay in their seats and to worship you, may you hear the cries of their heart. Lord, we, our prayer is that you would pour out new wine into our, into our wineskins. And Lord, we want to make have new wineskins. We want to have a new heart. God, we want to be ready and available to receive. We want to catch a vision. We want to, we want to receive your love like we did for the very first time. I want to receive your grace like like it's new and fresh, like we've never understood it. And like, Lord, would you blow our minds that there's there's always more with you, that you always want us to experience you in new and fresh ways, that you don't just want us to experience this once, but Lord, you want a renewal in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. So may this moment be that, a renewal type for us, a rejuvenation for our souls. So Lord, hear us as we pray. We We want you to speak and we want to share our hearts with you as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They're going to sing the song as you feel led. Please come forward. Our team would love to pray with you.